continue worshiping together today. Receive these words from the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, beginning in the 36th verse. Now, in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him and with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas has made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Will you pray with me? Loving God, you are holy. You are present with us. Your love is our life, our fuel, our hope. Thank you for being with us and for loving us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable to you, for you, O oh God, are our rock and redeemer. Amen. Have you ever felt dead, tired? Like the thought of managing something or doing a simple task or processing something or moving <laughs> was more than you could manage without an impulse to want to hide or run away or cry, or maybe all of those at the same time. Some perhaps have only experienced this when physically ill. Others might have felt it in times when, as my grandma used to say, when we've just been plum tuckered out. Some of you will know what that means. It means to be utterly exhausted. I don't know what tuckered is. I, I don't know. Anyone from the Ozark Hills who has insight, you just bring it on through. Because Anyway, absolutely exhausted. It's not just my observation, but that of doctors, therapists, journalists, sociologists, and quite frankly, most everyone is observing that exhaustion has reached whole new levels in these past years. 
due to multiple pandemics plaguing our nation and our world, due to political strife, due to a growing wealth gap, generally unhealthy expectations in most workplaces, and daily onslaught of outrageous, absurd, and deeply disturbing headlines. And all of that, of course, on top of just the daily challenges of being human. And for many of us who previously thought of burnout as simply just being really tired after a hard push through some some work, we've come to understand that burnout is something a lot more than just that. Burnout, now recognized by the World Health Organization, uh, is caused by constantly feeling swamped. It's a result of excessive and prolonged emotional, physical, and mental stress. It's a real syndrome that may include feeling drained, unable emotionally to deal with problems around you, extreme tiredness, low feelings and energy, cynicism, and frustration toward work and colleagues, feeling emotionally distant or numb, struggling to concentrate, handle responsibilities, or be creative. Last week, the New York Times on Thursday had an article of a about a subcategory of this called Parental Burnout. Happy Mother's Day! <laughs> Parental burnout. The daily effects of all of this reality on parents of young children, working parents, single parents, any parents of young children, frankly, and on all of our relationships, the effects on our relationships, on uh, our capacity to just manage life, all of these things have left untold numbers of humans exhausted and burned out to the point of physical and mental illness. Self-medication with substances is most certainly happening. And as usual, those for whom daily life was already difficult will be feeling the effects of all of this most acutely. And I must admit that I've been particularly thinking about those this week who have worked tirelessly to further the cause of equity and justice for LGBTQIA persons and for reproductive rights and health for all those persons with uteruses and for safe access to work and play and sports and marriage, regardless of skin color or hairstyle or language or faith or gender identity or any other thing. And I've been thinking about these advocates and how exhausting it is to realize that long and hard-fought gains can be erased 
things that you thought had been decided, you had gotten that, but that those things can just be erased by a majority opinion of a very small group of people. There are some for whom the fire of prophetic justice for themselves or their people or uh, for others outside their tribe is their motivation. Prophetic justice motivates and fuels them. They will almost always have energy for the cause, energy to show up at a rally or a march. But even they, I observe, are having moments when they just can't. And all who have devoted their lives to sojourn with those on the margins through social work and specialized fields of healthcare, both physical and mental, policy advocacy, legal aid, community organizing, and more, I'm thinking about how all of these dedicated people how their passion and their dedication fuels them until moments when it just doesn't. I'm mindful of clergy and teachers of all kinds who some days want to weep at the thought of having to create one more lesson plan, to walk into one more classroom, who have to plan one more program or write one more word because there is simply no more creative juice. My guess, my observation, is that a whole lot of us are plum tuckered out dead tired, and may not want to get out of bed. Don't want to face the to-do list or the headlines or the new obstacle to the way of justice of peace or the two-year-old or the 16-year-old or the 20-something-year-old temper tantrum. Where do we find resurrection resilience for times when we literally or metaphorically, don't want to get out of bed. The book of Acts is about the beginnings of the Jesus movement, the movement fueled by Holy Spirit midst the awe and the wonder following Jesus' resurrection. The trajectory of the story in Acts is that the same resurrecting, new life-giving power of God that was in Jesus is at work in Jesus' disciples. Through the power of Holy Spirit. And it's that thread that the author of Acts most certainly is pulling through this story of Peter bringing Tabitha back to life. I understand that the story is likely meant to emphasize the way that members of the early church were able to perform signs and wonders just like Jesus. But today I'd like to let the story speak to us a little sideways in the hopes that we might receive a word more directly. 
Tabitha was a servant ministry leader, a disciple who was devoted to good works and acts of charity. And as I've been saying, and as you well know, that kind of work can run you down and burn you out. It can be discouraging. It can be thankless. It can be never-ending. It can feel pointless sometimes, like two steps forward never really get you two steps forward. And I wonder if Tabitha had kids. I mean, have you ever wondered? I mean, I wonder if Tabitha had kids. I wonder what kind of illness struck Tabitha. I wonder if she worked herself into an early grave. Or maybe she was just dead tired. Or maybe she just didn't want to get out of bed. We don't know the details of her life, but it is clear that the disciple Tabitha had made a profound impact on her community through acts of generosity and caring and love toward those who are most vulnerable in society. And when she dies, Peter, the leader among the earliest disciples, is summoned. And when Peter arrives, the widows, often those among the most vulnerable, do a show and tell of all that they know and have experienced of this one they call Dorcas, her kind deeds. And it reminds me of so many gatherings, visitations, receptions, wakes, when photos and stories get shared about the person whose life has touched so many others. And in those spaces, I find more and more myself hoping that the deceased is still sort of hanging around close enough to be able to receive all those stories and affirmations. Maybe they'd never heard them before. And Peter, historically hot-headed and impulsive, has evidently, through his journey with Jesus, both before and after the resurrection, become a powerful preacher and and an instrument of healing grace. And I'm always moved in this story by Peter's simple, simple human kind actions. He simply kneels and prays. (laughs) And following his prayer, maybe having been given guidance in that prayer from God, he turns toward Tabitha and speaks directly to her. He's there, present with her when she opens her eyes. Imagine that might have been slightly startling, but hopefully encouraging and and assuring. And the text then simply says, he gave her his hand and helped her up. It's such a simple thing. He gave her his hand and helped her up. I haven't witnessed myself a literal resurrection, but I have seen persons whose simple acts of faith, presence, and kindness have made another person's heart beat in a new way that has led to new life. 
As I ponder this story and where or how we might find resilience for times when we don't want to get out of bed, several things come to mind. First, sometimes you may, in in those moments when you don't want to get out of bed, I want to suggest that the you, mm, you might want to listen to your body and just stay lying down. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? I bet you, this is a doing congregation. I know you people. But there are times, my beloveds, when you might just need to listen to your body that's saying, I just need to lay down a while. A recent, and I mean recent, like two months ago, 2022 study reaffirmed what has been the consistent trend in the United States for years. And I'm quoting from an article I read about it. If vacations are supposed to be a time to recharge, then a lot of Americans are running on depleted batteries. Fewer than three, fewer than three in 10 U.S. employees used all their paid vacation time last year. And those who did were often still tethered to job tasks while away, sometimes for as many as three hours a day, end quote. And that is just an American worker statistic, not even taking in the whole breadth of things that I was talking about before. We we are working ourselves to death. We've been working ourselves to death for a long time. Pre-pandemic till whatever we're in now. (laughs) Sabbath is not only a spiritual practice. It is a health practice. It is a life-sustaining practice. It is a life-renewing practice. Take your vacation. Take a break. Turn off the things. (laughs) Just turn them off. Try to take longer breaks so that your autopiloting, think about work brain powers down. And and when and only when you have been even a little bit renewed and can catch a new breath, then get up, turn it back on, and see how life feels on the other side of a little rest. Another thought, another tool for resilience might be to adjust our perspective. And this could be very, very physical and concrete. Foundry member Lynn, who's with us today, saw the title of today's sermon and sent me a suggestion that has worked well for her, something she learned from Elizabeth Gilbert, who's used her life lessons to teach many, many things. And this is what she suggests. She suggests avoiding, quote, horizontal thinking. And what she means by that is that some of the most fearful thoughts can arise when you first wake up if you just lie there. 
Gilbert forces herself to get up and start doing something before scary or sad thoughts overwhelm. This is an example of literally physically changing your perspective. Sometimes you just need to move around a little bit, focus on something different, get up and do something instead of just lying there letting it spin. I don't know if any of y'all ever have a mind-spinning thing that happens. I'm seeing some head nods. Um, Sometimes just going for a walk, doing some exercise, doing anything. Do the dishes, for crying out loud. Then you can say, huzzah, look at me, I did something. Um, Anything like that can change your perspective. That is not a small thing for me. I start it, I finish it. I'm like, yes. Um, So do something, change your perspective. So that's a concrete option. There's also a mental perspective uh, change that can be helpful, and this might be a little more challenging depending on what you're going through, Um, but there is something that's very helpful, which is to remember that any given day is just one day, to take things one day at a time, moment by moment, to remember that any one day may have its difficult challenges, things that are going to be really hard to manage, but that those things will pass away that we are part of a long history held in the care of a God whose love is new every morning, a God who works for good all day long, a God who no matter the challenge or obstacle or disappointment or how you're feeling today, a God who will be with you, giving grace to bring you through. And God has given us one another one another as gifts, the assurance that no one of us has to manage whatever the thing is without help. And I have to say, if we are terrible at taking vacation, what's the other thing that's right up in the top mm, two to three things that we're awful at as humans? Go ahead, Gwen, you know the answer to this. Asking for help. We don't do it. Most of us are terrible at this. If you need help, ask for help. We have been given one another so that we don't have to do it all alone. Yeah, Um, so that's that. The other thing I want to suggest is that sometimes when you don't want to get out of bed, you may need to get a hold of your phone or your computer and get in touch with your physician or your therapist to make an appointment. Perhaps what will give you resilience is to address a health issue that may be contributing to your fatigue. There's help available. One source of resilience is to call to mind who you are for others, what you do for others, your relationships, your gifts, and to try to remember that they need you to get out of bed because they not only need you, but they love you and they appreciate you. As I read the story of Tabitha, I'm struck by the love and the appreciation that surrounded her. And I'm noting and taking note for the first time really that at this woman's death, Tabitha, two men were dispatched to go find another man, Peter. I find this odd. I don't think that happens anywhere else in the whole book of the whole Bible. 
Um, and Peter comes, and then all these stories and signs of Tabitha's impact and Peter's kindness and all of this stuff. Tabitha was highly honored by the people around her. Highly honored. And I don't know whether she was really dead or partly dead or just dead tired. But as she lay in the room with people attending her, I wonder whether she received all that love and care that was in the room from the widows and and from all the others whose lives that she had impacted and whether she came to understand how deeply appreciated she was. Because that kind of support and care and gratitude can be just the thing to boost resilience when you don't want to get out of bed. If you know that your life matters, that people care, that what you're doing makes a difference to God and to the world. Man, that's at least something. He says, well, I can do it one more day. I imagine a scenario in which Peter says in that room with Tabitha, did you take it all in, Tabitha? Can you let that love that you were receiving renew your weary body and soul? See if it might help you when you're ready to get on up out of bed. We can't always remember our own worth when we're worn down, but we can assure others that they're important to us. We don't have to wait until they die to tell them that we honor them and appreciate them and love them. Call your mother, people. (laughs) One of my parishioners used to always say when I would get frustrated about anything in my family, say, you'll miss them when they're gone. Call your people. Um, We don't have to wait. I encourage you to send a little note to any of your people who may be dead tired today because it's a hard moment. And a word of encouragement and appreciation might be just what they need to keep going. And perhaps even to stay alive. And I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, I'm just trying to keep it real. And if you yourself are the one who doesn't want to get out of bed, I encourage you to get the rest you need, to check your perspective, physically or mentally, and as needed, to make an appointment with a therapist or a doctor to take care of your own body and your mind. And let me be among those to remind all of you today that you matter, that you are loved, that you are seen by a God who loves you, who knows how hard you are working, who knows all that you're holding, who knows how tired you are. You are honored in God's sight and precious. In your rising and in your lying down, God is with you, calling your name beloved and extending Easter grace that can renew your strength and bring new life. Thanks be to God for that.